Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. We've been taking it from the book of Philippians. For those who don't know, the book of Philippians is in the New Testament. And it was written by Paul. And Paul was writing it from prison. So it was a, it was a prison epistle. And yet it's such a, it's a lovely book. You can actually read it in about 15 minutes. You really can. And throughout the chapters, four chapters, it, there's, an, there's an encouraging, it's an encouraging book, but there's a, there's a common theme that runs through every chapter. And it's about joy. All joy. And that is what we've sought to address over this four weeks. And I'm concluding it because next week we start our summer series called Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Sun. Okay. It's lost on you guys. You know, some of you are old enough to know that song. Come on. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. Not here comes the sun, you know, S-U-N, but here comes the S-O-N sun. Yes. And we're going to be talking about Jesus and it's going to be a great, great series. And, uh, you know, if you're away on holiday, some people are able to get away and uh, mainly in, in Britain, you know, still join with us online at 1030. But if you're not um, away, please make sure you're here. And uh, that's the series that we're going to be looking at. But anyway, we're concluding today uh, the the chapter four of All Joy. And we've been saying across the the weeks that to try and define joy, many people define it as happiness. So they they get it mixed up. They, they, They confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is about happenings. People are happy usually because they've got a new car or they're going on holiday or they've got a new dress or, you know, whatever it is, the family are coming. And none of those things are bad, by the way. They're okay. It's okay to be happy. (laughs) I've come across some miserable Christians who think that's holy. Let me tell you, they're not being holy. We're meant to be joyful, yes? We're meant to have a smile on our faces. I can now see you now. So come on, let me all see you smile, okay? We're meant to be happy. There's something about, you know, happiness that's good, but we don't live out of happiness. We don't live out of happenings. Paul is addressing the issue of living out of joy. And that is completely different because you can have joy in the midst of adverse circumstances. That's the, that was week one. How is it possible? Well, you've got to listen to the podcast now. But it is possible to have joy in adverse circumstances. It's it's, it's possible to be joy even when you take hold of the humble walk. So you're not forever elevating yourself, but for, for us to be joyful in humility. Joy comes as a result of Christ-centeredness. It's only found, and that is, the true, that is the true message of it all. You see, Paul addresses in Philippians in chapter 3, he addresses his Jewishness. And he says, I was the Jew of all Jews. That's in essence what he was saying. But it wasn't able to get me to God. You see, religion will never get you to God. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ when it's rooted in Christ-centeredness. And when we find the source of Christ, we find the source of joy. There's a fountain, there's a well that wells within that relationship in Jesus Christ. But today we're going to be looking at joy in connections. Now before I go there, and I am preaching the word and I'm going to stick to time. Mother Teresa though once said this, one filled with joy... Preachers without preaching. You have the opportunity, if you are filled with joy, to go and preach without preaching. Every one of us, by the way, is called to preach. 
Every one of us is called to communicate and we can actually do that as a result of joy that flows within. You see, we don't often even have to say anything. When true joy is within us, there is something that resonates from our life and people know it. That's true, yes? People know it. And there's a challenge to me because there are times I can be miserable. There are times I can moan and groan anybody else like that. Uh, yeah, I can get frustrated and fed up and I want to kick the, kick the cat even though I haven't got a cat. You know, I want to kick the dog even though I've not got a dog. Come on, I'm just having some fun with you. Okay, you cat lovers and dog lovers. You know, you can get frustrated. But actually, you know, if we're in Christ, I'm not saying we can't have a bad day, but we have less bad days. Because the journey of just going deeper in God just fills us with more joy. And here we see in chapter 4, let's go to the, to the text, shall we? Because Paul, in this, in this chapter, it's interesting how he starts it. And he begins with outlying, uh, outlining connections. So let's go there, shall we? Philippians in chapter 4, I think it should come on the screen in verse 1. And I've been practicing these words because there's a couple of strange names in here and I've been doing my best. So don't anybody come up at the end and say you pronounced it wrong. I'll throttle you, okay, if you do, if you do say that. I've been practicing forever, okay. <laughs> so therefore, verse one, therefore my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Iodia and I plead with Sintichi. <laughs> to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The key verse for the four weeks has been Philippians 4 verse 4. And there are some verses I would encourage everybody to commit to memory if you're on a journey of following Jesus. And verse 4 is one of them. It says there, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So can you all just join with me by saying that after three? One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And this is a, a command. It's an encouragement. It's an exhortation. For the people in Philippi, where he was writing to, to be filled with joy, always. I say it again, even in the midst of prison, even in the midst of dark days, even in the midst of challenges, keep on rejoicing. 
But it's interesting that he finished, finished this note with the joy of connections. Because I love the fact that at the beginning, he notes a few people's names who have served him in the gospel mission of planting new churches in places that have never heard the gospel. And that is our aim, that is our quest. Now, we're not about to go and start another church planting campaign in 2022. want to see what God's wanted to do in those areas where we've started. But let me tell you, once we sense there's a really establishing that's beginning to happen in the more fledgling works, this included, we will continue to look ahead. Where, where does God want us to go? Where are there other communities where may not have a, a life-giving gospel witness? And that was Paul's aim. He wanted to take, his ambition was to preach the gospel where it was not yet, not yet known. And there were many people who joined with him. In fact, one commentator suggests that Paul partnered with over 90 people, 90 he writes names in his writings. You see, he was a hero of the faith. He stood head and shoulders across most people. But let me tell you, Paul understood the joy of connections. He would not have been able to have done what he, what he did without others around him. Can I raise a yes? And that is the truth here. David and Jeanette and the small team can only do so much. There's other people who need to come and gather around them. I want to tell you, the, the, the great churches are not built on the talents of few. They're built on the sacrifices of many. Of many. When we look on an arena church, Ilkeston, and people say it's a great church. It is, there's many great things about it. But they, they start to wax on and put your arm. Christian, you've done a great job. I'm always, it's not even trying to be humble. I just recognize it was not me. There is such a huge team who have established that work, who have given themselves to it, who have poured their life into it, yes? And Paul understood it. The power of connections. You see, it's important in connections. One, we're connected to God. We have a living relationship with Him. Secondly, we're connected to a purpose. What is the focus? Many people are still trying to find out what they're looking for, to quote Bono. Of you two, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I feel like I want to break out into song. It's that how great thou art, it drew something from me. Okay, but we need to be connected to a purpose. And thirdly, we need to be connected to others. And this is what Paul was addressing. But here's the challenge for those who know the Bible. And for those who don't, let me share something. Because Philippians 4 could sound, you could gloss over it very quickly. But he was addressing an issue. There was an issue that had risen between Iodia and Sintichi. Because it says in verse 2, in one version, I urge Iodia and Sintichi to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. Wow. You mean to say it didn't, it, I, th I thought, you know, God was so close in the first century church and it was amazing, there was such togetherness. Now read the New Testament with, with eyes wide open. Paul was constantly addressing issues. So it could be like, Lindsay's got a problem with Anne. I mean, they haven't. And Anne's got a problem with Lindsay. And never the twain shall meet. And by the way, there are some churches historically who have lived by that. There's somebody who sat on that side and there's somebody who sat on that side and they have never ironed out their differences and yet they come together on prayer meetings and pray for God to come. Let me tell you, God cannot come. God cannot come. Where there is not unity, God cannot come. 
It's there he commands the blessing. That is why we have to do everything to protect peace. And Paul pleading with these two lovely ladies who were said to have been so helpful to me in the gospel. I'm pleading with you, iron out your differences. What he was basically saying is find the common ground. And the common ground in all this, because what I've realised is this. Okay. COVID, and I don't want to keep talking about it, but COVID has divided us physically. It was thrust upon us. Whatever your opinions are, it was. Physically and geographically. I was reading about somebody, somebody who has not seen their daughter for two years. So there's a, there's a as, as, as in physically. So there's been a physical limitation. This could be a ge- geographical limitation. But here's the problem with COVID. What I've realised as a church pastor, as a church leader, as a student of people, it's also divided us relationally. How has it done that? Through opinions. Because people have different opinions. I've had it this week. People have had different opinions about what we think we should do. And we're just trying to do it right. And we may not get everything right, Belper, but our hearts are pure. And we're trying to just get it right. We're trying to apply the wisdom of God always. With the, in the, amongst the multitude, multitude of counsellors, different people, what do you think? But what I've realised is this. We must do everything we can to maintain our connectedness, our togetherness. Because where God can't come if it's not there, let me tell you, when there is unity amongst brothers and sisters, he doesn't just say you'll come, but what does he say? There I will command my blessing. Wow. Anybody want the blessing of God? Just help me. I'm a preacher who draws. Come on. Do you want the blessing of Then, Then we've got to do everything we can in this context, in our homes, wherever we are, to try and just be united together. That doesn't mean necessarily we have to just roll over. It doesn't mean we agree with everything. But, you know, there are times when my team, the guys around me, may not agree with some decisions I make, but they're not going to be disagreeable. Does that make sense? Oh, the amount of disagreeable Christians I've come across. Can I, it's on tape, but I'll say, they need, they need a piece of 4 by 2 right around their head, some of them. That's a big piece of wood, by the way, if anybody doesn't know. There's the pastoral crook that comes in. Let's, be a, let's do everything we can. Let's do everything we can. And Paul was addressing this. I don't know why I'm going there. I don't sense there's any issues. But it may be that, you know, there's things ahead that we've just got to maintain here in this location. So if David and Jeanette ask us to do something and it's not immoral and it's, not, it's just their opinion, let's just go with it. Let's not be disagreeable. And so Paul addresses this with his two ladies because he knew that if they did not get the connections right, there would be a lack of joy. Now joy is a fruit. Galatians 5 verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. There are nine fruits. There are nine things that come as a result of a life in Christ, life in the Spirit that will automatically become yours. You don't see an apple tree squeezing out an apple. It's a natural thing that happens. I mean, that's Mike Baldwin. He'll know all about this. He'll know all the Latin names and everything about it. That's true, isn't it, Mike? You'll know it all. But you don't see any plant just squeeze. It's just a natural thing. And if we're rooted in Christ, if you're a Christian, and you really want to please God, and 
every day you say, God, I just want to please you, then you can begin to receive this fruit into your life of love, but also of joy. There's a joy that comes, and joy produces such wonderful things in our lives. Now, in these closing moments, I just want to take Philippians 4, and I want to outline a number of things that joy produces, and there is a fruit that comes. And I've really taken the text and really tried to break it down, because I really do think that Paul is trying to help the church here to understand a few truths. So you're ready. Have you got your notepads at the ready? Because there are some things you need to know here in Belper. Number one, you can know the fruit of his presence. The fruit of his presence. Now our word for the year for Arena Church is presence. We believe that we can know the presence of God. We believe that we can know it intimately for ourselves, in your homes, in your car. As you just open your heart to God and pray and seek Him. We're also believing for a manifest uh, sense of His presence in our gatherings. It was here as we worship God. Sense of God's presence here amongst us. And here we see in verse 5, Paul talks about gentleness. But then he says, just, just four words, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now some of you need comfort some of you need confidence. Some of you need courage. It all comes as a result of his presence. When you know that the Lord is with you, why, what, what do you need to fear? If you know that the Lord is close by you, sticks closer than a brother, what do you need to be anxious for? You can receive all the comfort and all the courage and all the confidence and all the you know, power that you need for the day. Because you know that the Lord is near. Daniel, when he was thrown into a lion's den, because he would not bow down, he did so with comfort and courage and confidence because he knew that the Lord was near. Yahweh, his God, Jehovah God was with him. When those three lads were thrown, a similar story, connected story, into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and there was another man who walked amongst them. And commentators, and I believe this as well, said it was Jesus. Jesus was walking amongst them because they knew that the Lord is near. Let me tell you, there's something about a joy that wells from within. And as you walk into the, your day, you know that the Lord is with you. You know that the Lord is near. Can I raise an amen? You're aware of his unfailing love. Secondly, what about the fruit of prayer? We see the fruit of prayer. Because in verse 6 it says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let me give you another contemporary version of these verses. And I love this. It says this, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I did it this week. I did that verse this week. I was getting a bit pumped and worked up and I was driving into the office and I thought they're going to get it and I'm going to, you know, they're going to get it from me and I'm, what, then my mind went, well, what's going to happen and do, 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 all these kind of stuff. Of course, you never have anything like that, do you? You look so holy and so sweet. Okay, I'm just this nasty man, surely. But this is where I was at. But in that moment, I just thought, no, I'm going to turn this anxious thought, I'm going to turn this worry into prayer. God, I release this to you now. And I turned my worries into praises. As I began to do it, I'm not just hamming this up. I began to praise. 
began to praise the Lord, began to just bring my heart before Him. And there was a fruit of prayer that began to happen from my life. And there was joy. Let me tell you, there was joy that began to flow. Instead of me getting pumped up, wanting a piece of four be two again, you can say, where's Christian going with this? I'm just being honest and open with you. Instead of that, frustration, anxious, worked up, there was a joy. There was a peace. Let me encourage you to, you know, bring your concerns before God. He knows what you need. He's big enough to shoulder your concerns. You say, really, can I tell him exactly what I think? Yeah, and if you're going to do that, probably go and find a place on your own, all right? (laughs) A quiet place. But I've done it many, many times as I've gone walking. I have begun to tell the Lord exactly what's going off here. I am, absolutely. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, I'm telling you this. And, And I know he knows. But as we do that, and our hearts are open, our worries turn into praises. Number three, which is connected because again, he then says in verse seven, not just the fruit of prayer, but the fruit of peace. (laughs) The fruit of peace and the peace of God, verse seven, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, this is a peace that doesn't make sense. How can you have peace in the midst of turmoil? How can you have peace in the midst of a war? Everything's warring around you. How can you have peace in the midst of crisis? And we've, we've not told people the truth, people like me. Let me tell you, I, the best decision you can make is come to Jesus and give your life to him. But let me tell you, life is difficult and it will not take away the pain and difficulty of this life. But what you will have as you come to Jesus, you don't have a crutch. You have a person who you can draw on that fills your heart with joy and fills your heart with peace. That doesn't make sense. Can I raise an amen? It's true. It's true. When in the midst of it, how can you, how can you bring peace when somebody's just lost a little baby? How can, and we've, we've seen in our church, people, they've, they've, Christian people, they, they've got, of course they're sad and the sorrow and they're broken, but there's a peace of God that surrounds them. When you say goodbye to a loved one, you still have the sorrow, but there's peace that still fills your heart. And what I realise is this, the enemy comes to disturb our peace. Just a conversation this morning with Andy. That's what he does. If you've had your peace disturbed, I want to tell you that is the work of Satan. He wants to disturb your peace. I'll just leave you this because we need to move quickly. One of the names of Jesus is what? Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And what happens is we, we, we take him off the throne when we start to worry. And I want to encourage you, as I've been doing, when I've been worried and worked up and pumped up and feeling the responsibility of the whole church. And my mum said to me recently, you've got the family and then you've got the family. And I feel it strongly when at those times that my peace is being disturbed. No, 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 no. I am going to make Jesus once again sitting on the throne of my heart because you are the Prince of Peace. We've got to displace worry and Allow Jesus. Fourthly, I'm moving quickly every one of these. We could spend quite a time, but look at it for yourself. 
He also talks about the fruit of purity. The fruit of purity. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, the average American person, I don't think there'll be much difference here, sees visually between four to 10,000 images digital images the average person so some have seen a lot more now some of those images are good some of them are bad and some of them are suggesting and they are producing a heightening of our senses there's no doubt and now I'm not a psychologist I don't pretend to be but I know that is true because I'm talking out of experience there's a heightening so you see a Big Mac you weren't hungry now all of a sudden you're, you're oh I could do with a Big Mac Oh, you see a, a, a coffee advert. I saw one yesterday. I was just driving through and knocked, dropped our eyes a cough. And why do I see a coffee advert? Come to Starbucks. Come and enjoy the Starbucks. It's to heighten the senses. These adverts tell us to spend more, to eat more. They say, if you do so, it'll numb the pain. They're not actually saying it, but that's what they're inferring through these ads. They're saying more pleasure, more clothes, more fast cars, more sex. <laughs> more, more, more. And that's why I think Paul is addressing it in the first century because he's saying, listen, there are things that can come to your senses that are meant to heighten it and they are good, but there are some things that actually will derail you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whatever's true and pure and admirable and trustworthy, think on these things. I found this verse as a 16-year-old lad In Psalm 119, and the psalmist writes, how can a young man keep his way pure? By hiding God's word in his heart. I do agree, young men need to get that, but I also now need to say as a a more mature man, how can a mature man keep his way pure? By the way, I've spoken to some older men. How can an older man keep his way pure? By the way, it's not just the blokes. How about can a young woman keep her way pure? How can a middle-aged woman keep her way? How can an older woman keep we all have these issues and the psalmist says the only way you'll do it is by hiding God's word in your heart so I'd encourage you here's the challenge underscore these verses in your bible some of you don't like doing that or print it out memorize it commit it to memory just say spirit of God when there's something that comes up enable me to live out of this fruit of purity Because we need these verses and these meditations in such a powerfully visual and seductive world. I honestly believe they bring perspective and peace to our minds. Lastly, what about the fruit of provision? I can't move on before we talk. Paul addresses it in verse 18. We didn't read it, but this is what he says in Philippians 4 verse 18. Because he starts to brag on the Philippian church. He says, there's nobody like you. You've taken care of me. The other churches didn't. You have. And he says, I've received full payment. I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that, I've, now that I have received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent. <laughs> so in essence, he's saying, thank you for sending him to me. Because I've received what I've needed. And here Paul was saying, listen, there's a fruit of provision. Paul knew, for those who don't know this man, he knew what it was to be in lack. And he knew what it was to be in March in plenty. I was talking to our girls and, and Isaac recently because 
uh, as numbers of you know, we, uh, can you believe it? I know, I'm, I'm, I know you say, that can't be right, but I'm going to be a grandpa. Wow, can you believe it? I'm trying to catch up with Dave, okay, and Jeanette, but I'm going to be a grandpa. And um, so we brought some things down from the loft and, and uh, that we wanted to have a look through, things that we've kept for, from the kids. And there was a, there was a note <laughs> when we first started out in ministry in 1992, and it was our food bill because we had such a tight budget. And our kids were going, no way, Dad, that can't be right. And we had 20, no, it was 1992, but we had, it was either 20 or 25 pounds a month. Total food bill. Total food bill. And there was things like uh, mince, you know, bags from, and we knew where we could get them from, just to make it work for us. We didn't have much, but we had joy. We didn't have much, but God always met our needs. I mean, come on. You don't have this kind of timber without God. We know what it is to be in lack. We know what it is to be in plenty. But we know the source of our life is God as our provider. And by the way, as God has been good to us over the years, and he has, and I don't hide that. He's been very, very good to us. But Psalm 62 verse 10 from the New Living Translation is an interesting verse for those who desire to get on in life. And it says this, and, if, and even if your wealth increases, don't make it the centre of your life. <laughs> We've never ever made wealth the centre of our lives. My mum can bear testimony to that. God's been very good to us, faithful. But we've never made it the centre of our lives. We've always tried to make, live out of that song that Andy led us in as a prayer. Jesus, be the centre of it all. The fruit, but there's one final thing that I want to just address. And it's really important because we can't move from this series without highlighting this one last verse. Are you still okay? Still with me for a moment? It's the, well, three of you are, so I'll keep going. That's the nod of approval. The fruit of a promise. Notice they're all P's. Our teaching pastor would love this. I didn't even try. It's beautiful when that happens. But there's a fruit of a promise because I want to share share this important promise for this moment in time that is for all people. You see, this world is filled with lockdowns and pandemics and sickness and death and uncertainty. My question to you, as I have to ask myself, is what have you lost? Where are you hurting? Where is the place of pain for you? What stands as the mountain of impossibility? What shouts loud as fear and anxiety in your mind? In this moment, bring your answers to the cross. Bring them all to the Lord, whatever's addressing. Just bring it in this moment. And I want you now to declare with me the fruit of this promise. Because Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let me give you two other versions. Contemporary English version says this, Christ gives me the strength to face anything. What about the Passion Translation? And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. 
He will give you what you need when you face your greatest fears, challenges, and impossibilities. Like Paul, who was writing this from the prison, his power will infuse you to conquer all things. Now, some of you may not be aware of this, but two sports stars, American sports stars, have really popularized this verse. Tim Tebow is an American football player. I don't know why they call it football. It's not football. Football's with kicking it, but anyway, you know the throwing stuff. He's a big star. He's a Christian guy. He's made it popular because he's put it on different things that he's done. I think he wrote it on his helmet. Steph Curry, my son's hero, who's a massive NBA three-point shooting star, he's put it all over his merchandise. This verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in fact, it's not a bad verse of inspiration. Our Isaac has took it on. He's wrote it on his basketball shoes. He's wanting to dream and be. And I, I love the fact that this verse has inspired people to dream and to work hard and believe God for those things that will be impactful for them in their life for Jesus. But this verse is truly about something deeper than that. It's about having the strength to be content when we are facing those moments in life when physical resources are minimal and life is difficult. We carry a promise when we're living that kind of life and you might be there today. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's been times when I've been on my knees and not known where to turn. Life hasn't been good. But I've been able to lift up my head and confess this promise. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's finish, shall we, with reading from Romans 5 verse 11. Because you may be saying, how do I find this joy? I've already addressed it. But let me just leave you one beautiful verse nestled in the book of Romans. And it says there, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living, reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. The source of Paul's joy, the source of our joy, the source of this church's joy is because we have been reconciled to God all through Jesus Christ.